Hey Life Church, Roger here, one of the directors. So glad that you're with us. If you are a brand new listener, I just want to say welcome and Merry Christmas. Be sure to head on over to our Church Center app and fill out the Connect card. It's going to be your best way to get plugged into our community. Uh, you can ask questions, let us know who you are, uh, let us know any int- uh, areas you might be interested in serving, uh, or ask for information about things like life groups. In January, we have those kicking off again, so it'll be a great time for us to help you get connected to one of those where you can do life uh, in a small group and just connect to other uh, followers of Christ. So be sure to do that. Also, like, subscribe so you can hear more of our messages and podcasts. Uh, and I must say, if you're a returning listener, welcome back. We're so grateful for your faithfulness and for your investment in this community. Uh, if you are brand new or returning, I just want to remind you that God is up to so much here. And one of the ways to participate in what He is doing, even though there are many, one of the ways is by giving by giving generously to the mission of this church and what God is up to here. So be sure to head over to our Life Church uh, forward slash give page or use our Church Center app to uh, give. Uh, we appreciate that, uh, whether it's your first time gift or, or you've been faithfully giving for years. So we are in week two of our Christmas series, which we're calling God With Us. Uh, last week, Pastor Jared kind of explained the meaning of that word and why it's so powerful. So be sure to head back and listen to that if you haven't. But now you're going to hear Pastor Nathan give a message about Zachariah's song. So go ahead and give that a listen, and I'll catch up with you in just a minute. Well, welcome. I think uh, perhaps we need a light transition here. I'd love to see you. <laughs> there you are. <laughs> Hello. I'm so glad that you're here. My name is Nathan. I'm one of the pastors. And um, today is going to be special. Today is going to be a moment to experience Christmas, um, but specifically to experience God, Jesus Christ, with us. Encountering Jesus is one of the things we love to do in this season. And sometimes it feels like a fight. Uh, to just get here. Sometimes you have so much on your mind, the things that you need to do, that it's difficult to rest in this moment. So I encourage you right now that for this time, for this moment, for this next 45 minutes, that you be present here, that you let the worries of what's going to happen next or anything that you're concerned about fall away and be present in this moment. Because I believe that everyone who is here, who is watching online or listening later, that God has something for you, that it's not a surprise to him that you're here and that he's been planning for it. I had a professor, and I tell this all the time, but people still say, I don't remember you saying that. I'm like, I say this all the time. Uh, um, I had a professor who used to tell us uh, when we would ask him, what's going to be on the test? What notes do we need to take? What do we need to write down? And he said, don't take notes. Take note. And what he meant was, and he said this, he said, The Holy Spirit's going to speak to you at some point during this time. And if you're so focused on trying to get that grade for the test, you might miss the encounter that God has for you. So when you feel something, when God speaks to you, when there's a moment where you have a realization, take note. And he used to say, if you need to ignore what I'm saying and start writing down what God is saying to you, then I know that I've done my job. And so for today, I want you to imagine, because it's the truth, and it may have already happened, and you caught it, that God is going to say something to you, specifically, through his word, through the rest of the time together, that he's going to say something to you. So pay attention and counter that. 
And even if you don't follow God, I believe he's still going to speak to you in this time. That's what this series is about. Emmanuel, which means God with us. God moving into town. God being present. God being here. That's what Christmas is about. Celebrating that God came to be part of what our lives are and to save us. Last week, Jared opened our series and did a wonderful job and talked about Mary's song. Mary was told that she would have a child and it would be God, it would be Jesus. And she responded in this song and she magnified God in it. It's called the Magnificat. I want to take a step back and actually go about six months before the angel shows up to Mary, somewhere around that time. So step back where first an angel, and some say it's the same angel, spoke to Zacharias, or Zacharias, depending on your translation. Zacharias was a priest, and I want to tell you a story about how Mary did what she was supposed to do, but Zacharias, Zachariah messed up. He messed up. His wife, Elizabeth, was barren and beyond childbearing years. They wanted a child, uh, but they had kind of given up on that. And he was a priest. And this year, he was cast, uh, the lots were cast, which is like dice, and they picked one of the priests to take in a offering of incense, in, incense into the Holy of Holies. So you take this offering of incense into the Holy of Holies, the place where God's presence was said to dwell. And it was a huge honor to do this. And he goes in there, and, and, and to tell you how important this moment was, they used to tie bells onto the uh, robes of the priests, and they used to put a rope around their waist when they would walk into the Holy of Holies. And you might ask the question, why is that? No, it's not like you have a cat, and you put bells on a cat to know where that demon spawn is at all times. <laughs> not like that at all. It was to make sure you kept hearing the bells, Because if the bell stopped, that means you needed the rope because the priest would drop dead and they would have to pull his body out because he had done something wrong. This this is a big deal. See, the presence of God, his holiness, it's, it's, it's important. So what happens is Zechariah is all prepared. He's done everything he's supposed to do. You know, all the cleansing and everything. And he's walking in. He's tink, 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 walking in, goes into holy holies. And there's something in there. Not what's supposed to be there. There's a being in there. There's an angel that starts to speak to him. Now imagine the terror you might feel initially of walking in there and going, oh, is this what happens before pull out rope? (laughs) Mary responded in faith to this moment. Let's hear uh, what happens next. What happens next is the angel says to him, you're going to have a son. You're going to have a son, and you're going to name that son John. And John is going to be special because John, and it says this in Luke 1, 14 through 17, John is going to herald something. He's going to talk about the coming of Jesus. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He will never take wine or other fermented drink. He would be set aside for a purpose. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. That's why he was able to leap in his mother's stomach when he saw Mary come. That happens later. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord, their God. And here's the big part. He will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. That's Jesus. 
You know how Zechariah responds? He doubts. He says, how can this be? Zechariah forgot. He was a priest of God, a priest who had forgotten the word of God. He had to memorize entire sections, the entire Old Testament. He had to know it by heart, except it wasn't by heart. It was by head, because if it had been by heart, he would have remembered Abraham. He would have remembered the exact moment he was in when an angel told Abraham, you're going to have a child and and a whole nation will come from him. And he's like, "Ah, Elizabeth's old. I'm old. This isn't going to happen. And doubted. And he would have remembered God's faithfulness again and again and again. And the story of the power of God. He forgot why he had the rope on his waist because he was in the presence of God. He forgot all of that in the moment. And he spoke back to the otherworldly messenger And he says, I don't believe. And I love this. I'm going to read a little into Gabriel's response. But Gabriel says, you don't believe? Young man, you will. You will believe. Do you know who I am? I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And when I say something, it comes from God. It will be. What you're not going to do is question me. And he silences him. And he says, you will not speak. You will not speak until the birth of the child. You are punished. Zachariah missed his moment. He failed. He failed. For us today, as we walk into the Christmas season and into our walk with God, we have to remember and trust and believe in what we hear from God and what we read. To be in his word and recognize the stories of Gideon who had 300 men with pots and torches who beat armies because of God's power. To remember the Old Testament, to remember the stories of Abraham, to remember all that happened in the New Testament. To recognize how God showed up for the people of the way. To remember that he does what he says. Why? So you won't miss your moment. The moment where God calls you to believe in faith. This can't be just up here. It has to be here. It has to be treasured in our heart. And it goes for the rest of our faith. Will you act in faith that God is the only one who truly provides and trust God with your finances? Or will you miss your moment to worship God in spirit and truth now? The whole series we did on generosity talks about the heart of the matter, not the head of the matter, the heart of the matter. Will you act in faith like Jared called us to do, to be in community together with the body of Christ and to worship him together? Or will you miss your encounter with Jesus? The heartbreaking thing is Zachariah and Elizabeth had prayed for a son, prayed for a child, wanted this moment, and yet they doubted. There will be moments where God tests your faith or circumstances test your faith in him. Those moments are trained for and prepared for. They're moments where you learn to say yes because it's in your heart. But the beauty of this story, this Christmas story, is that Zechariah failed God, and yet God still uses him. Even if we fail him, even if we have these moments of doubt, when God sets out to use someone for his glory, his will is done. So have you felt that? Have you felt like you've failed God? Like your angry words towards your children have invalidated you from being used by God? 
Like you missed your chance to serve God. Does that something you feel? Like your divorce invalidates you. Bankruptcy, moral failure keeps you from being used by God. Is that how you feel? The message of Christmas has always been one of redemption. And no matter if you followed God your whole life and you feel you've messed up, there is still redemption for you. Zechariah is given another chance, another moment to believe and trust in God, a moment of redemption for his service. So what happens later is uh, Zechariah comes out and he's mute and everyone goes, oh no, he saw something. (laughs) He's messed up. And he can't do his priestly duties anymore. All he can do is is use gestures with his hands. That's about it. He can write, but he cannot speak anymore. And so he his wife gets pregnant and and is does give birth. And this is a powerful moment. So immediately he sees, oh my gosh, this is true. This is real. But he can't even speak about it, about what he said. So the baby is born and on the eighth day they go to circumcise him. And the mother, which is another thing that must have been amazing for him, says his name is John. And Zechariah goes, oh, so it is true. This is real what I experienced. Both of us were told to name him John. But the people take him and say his name needs to be Zechariah because that's what they did in that community. He was going to be junior. He was going to be ZJ, right? He's ZJ the Baptist. That was his, that was his legacy. Zechariah's legacy would have been in this son. That name would go on. And they said, there's nobody who has this name. Why is his name going to be John? That doesn't make any sense. What are you doing? Tradition was so important. The legacy of the family, the names of the family were important because they represented the tribes of Judah and inheritance. It's part of the promise. It's a big deal. And they go to him in this moment. And they say, what is his name? Do you know what Zechariah means? The name Zechariah means God remembers. It is a promise that God never fails on his promises, which is ironic because Zechariah forgot. He forgot who God was. Even though his parents named him Zechariah, he's supposed to remember God's faithfulness, but he forgot. Do you know what John means? (laughs) John means Yahweh is gracious or graced by God. My question for you is, have you forgotten who God is? Have you forgotten that he never gives up? Have you drifted away from him? Or are you going to remember that he is gracious? So Zechariah in this moment says, he writes it down. His name is John. In that moment, he says, no, I'm going I'm to take a new legacy. This is going to be a new beginning. That moment was so powerful. And when he agreed with it, he stepped into the grace of God, John, and he begins a brand new legacy with him. And in so doing, he fully lives into his true name, God remembers. This redemption moment is so powerful. He remembers who God is He chose in that moment to agree with the calling of God and wrote on the tablet, his name is John. And then he can speak again. In that very moment, he can speak. Can you imagine? Not only is he able to become a priest again, because often priests would not only speak, they would sing. They would sing the word of God. There is great joy in his heart. But I thought about it as a father for another moment. Can you imagine having a child 
and never being able to speak their name, to speak to them. For some of us, that's our truth, is that we will never be able to speak to our children, whether because we can't speak or they're not around. And that is such a sadness. But the joy that comes in that moment where he can speak again, this is the song that we actually get to hear. We get to read it. It's one of the first Christmas songs, and it's where we pick up in verse 68, Luke 1, 68. By the way, this is like one of the longest chapters in the world. It's so long, like 70-something, like 80-something verses. Like, yeah, 80. That's a lot. It's just like one run-on story, but it's important because all of these pieces are connected to what God is trying to do and what comes out of his mouth. He's filled with the Holy Spirit, and he prophesies, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. First words out of his mouth. He has come to his children, Emmanuel, God with us. So for this entire nine months, this entire nine months where he cannot speak, he spends a lot of time probably in the word, And he remembers instead of speaking, some of us speak too much and we need to listen more. He spent time in the word of God and he remembers all the prophecies of God. And this time and this experience comes out in this song that is so full of every promise of the Old Testament. It's just overwhelming. We could spend months on every phrase. But the first thing is praise be to the Lord. Last week, Jared talked about cutesy consumption of our culture during Christmas. This observation of cuteness. Cutesy meaning a forced cuteness. And that Christmas has become this observation of something. Whereas what Zechariah is experiencing is an overflow of something else. Something completely different. The hopes of thousands of years flowing out of him in this moment of true worship and praise. Emmanuel, have we learned, can we learn to worship with this kind of joy? He goes on to say this in 69. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. And he has said through his holy, as he has said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father, Abraham. We don't use a lot of horns nowadays. We do have those long, annoying ones that we do at soccer games. I'm sure they're at the World Cup right now. You know, what are those things called? Flulas or, I don't know what they're like, loud. We don't really use horns, but back in the day, horns were used for communication, but primarily horns were uh, a call to celebration or a call to war. So he has raised up a horn of salvation in the house of his servant is the idea that a war is coming, that salvation is coming. And the horn was sounded by Jesus as one of a conquering hero. There's this moment of hope. It makes me think of Lord of the Rings. Um, there is this, this movie um, that you may have heard about, won a lot of awards. And in Lord of the Rings, there's, uh, there's a scene a scene that happens is amazing where there are a bunch of people who are in a, a castle and they're being assaulted by orcs or orakai, these warriors who are just overwhelming and they're about to get destroyed. 
And you can actually show a picture of what it might look like um, in that first image that I'll show you. And, and it, what you're seeing here is actually there's a storm and rain and darkness. It's a supernatural storm. A, a wizard has cast it. And all of those people are not people. They're like, they're like basically demons. They're basically these horrible monsters who are coming in to eat them, to kill them. And it's overwhelming. And there was a promise that this wizard, his name, white wizard Gandalf, would show up and he hasn't come. And all help is lost. But then he shows up in this moment and everyone sees him on the top of this hill and you see this horse rearing up and you hear the call of salvation, this, this horn. And then he comes down the hill and he's not alone. He's leading thousands of horsemen and they're charging. It's this beautiful moment as they go down and down and down and the, the orcs turn to attack them and then the light shines and Gandalf brings this light and it just overwhelms everyone. They go through and they decimate them and they destroy everything. The beginning of this scene, a horn sounds out of salvation that comes. So my question for you is, do you ever feel like you're in situations like that? Maybe you feel like there are people assaulting you, our enemies. And maybe the enemies are people. Maybe the orcs in your life are people, right? Well, they're still made in the image of God, but sometimes they don't act like it. And, and maybe somebody's coming after you. I don't know every situation. But sometimes it feels like the bills are coming after us, you know? Maybe it feels like sickness is coming after us. But not only that, are there forces against us? There's this kind of supernatural storm over our lives. This darkness, depression, anxiety, trauma, fear, worry. And we can feel like those individuals just waiting for someone to show up. But there is freedom coming. There is a promise. And in the moment with Zechariah and in the moment in your life, freedom has come. It is coming. Do you hear the call of the horn? Do you hear the freedom that is coming in your life. Can you remind yourself of the joy of this truth? He goes on to say in verse 74, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear. What freedom? For what? To serve him. Freedom to serve him. To rescue us. To enable us to serve him without fear. Does anyone feel afraid of serving God? I know sometimes I do. Sometimes I'm afraid. But we need to remind ourselves of Emmanuel, that God is with us. In fact, that's our, our very code. Our code, as our, our code as our church is on our wall, but our vision says this. We want every one of you to reclaim your identity in Jesus, to remember that God is with you, to remember that he has said, to remember like Zechariah, and to start to live into that and become something different. But Why? to bear the torch of Christ's justice and love, the light of his justice and love, to bring that light into the dark places. You are meant for more than simply surviving this life. The story, it must go out. There's a service we've been called to, to go out and to bring that. So you have the light of Christmas with you. Do you have the light of salvation with you? And are you bringing it out to people? Are you bearing that torch? I love that, that image of like torch bearing. We have this huge torch and, and you're running forward into the darkness. But the thing is, when the light is shining from your torch, it's also shining on you. And sometimes when we just stay back and we just stay still, we don't experience 
the joy of things because we're not moving in the way that God has created us to in righteousness and holiness to bear the torch of Christ, justice and love. We are meant to bear that torch. There's a song I've been listening to um, called by House Fires and there's this moment at the end where they're just singing and he's, this woman starts saying, my posture for life is a song of yes to what God calls us to. Yes. And so she says, as long as it takes for me to sing, to get to this place of surrender, I'm going to stay right here. Right here I'm going to worship God until I say yes. Until my life screams yes. A powerful moment. And then he turns, she turns. And this is all just coming in the moment. I love being able to have glimpses of these encounters with Jesus as people worship And my prayer is that this church will become like that soon, that our worship will have these moments of of extemporaneous singing where the truth of what God has for us comes out. But she starts to sing, and, and she says, I never knew what yes really looked like until I saw you, Jesus. That Jesus said yes to whatever God had for him. I never knew what that looked like. I thought I knew what surrender looked like until I met you. And this, this line is wrecking me. It says, I saw your yes, Jesus. So I said yes. That's the light. That's the torch of Christ's justice and love that empowers us in freedom to go into the dark places and to love. Verse 76 Now, imagine this moment. He's turning to his son, who is now named John, who he wasn't able to speak for eight days. This child's been born, and he can't say a word. And now he's turning to his son in front of all of these people, and he gets to speak the truth of what will happen over him. And he says this, And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. John was to be the forerunner of the salvation to come. And you have been called to the same ministry as John the Baptist, who when he saw Jesus for the first time, he said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Look, look, that is our life. To shout, look, have we shared the story of Christ? Have we? Are we willing to? Will we go out and talk about it? I believe that we need to reclaim Christmas. Now, not like some kind of culture war, not like keep the Christ in Christmas and all these other things, because that feels so oppositional. You guys are trying to take Christ out of Christmas, and so don't, don't you do that to me. I'm going to go up and say Merry Christmas to everyone. Some kind of like, oh, we got to fix the world by correcting the way of their thinking. No, not for us to preserve our rights, but for them to hear the love of Jesus. Let me put it this way. Do you think your neighbor, now I want you to think about your neighbor, the person who lives next to you. Do you think that they know that the church loves them? They probably know that Christ loves them, hypothetically. Do they know that the church, the body of Christ, loves them? Loves them. Cares for them. Doesn't want them to convert it necessarily or, or, or to change. Do they know Of course, we want them to know Jesus, but do they know that we love them? Have we reclaimed Christmas in the light we shine to those around us? 
Are we showing up? Are we showing up like Gandalf? Are we showing up in those moments? Have we shown them that they, those who are in the world, are deeply loved by us, by the church? Or are we indifferent? Do the sea, do we see the world as this threat to our way of life? Or do we see the world as the people that God loves? I would have been reflecting um, about why I love Christmas as a child. My son, Theodore, he, uh, uh, he loves to dance, and so he'll dance to Christmas music and all that kind of stuff. And I love watching little kids dance because they don't got any moves yet, really. And they're just, it's just such a pure expression. And, I, and I'm not going to show a video of him or anything like that, or, or, or even though I have them, but they're for me, because um, it's not really about that. But I started to reflect why I loved watching him dance so much. And I used to remember how I would dance as a little kid. Now, back in my day, uh, they had a, like a six CD changer, which was kind of a big deal, and this huge stack of like decks of things connected to speakers. You know what I'm talking about? For us to play music, we had to have 14 things stacked on top of each other and equalizers and amps and all that, whatever. It was ridiculous. Nowadays, it's like, plug plate, let's go. You know, this is like hard. But there were six CDs and, and my mom would like pull CDs out and put new ones in like seasons. It's like we were a retail store and we had like, each season had its own six CDs. That's what we'd keep running and running. But as a kid, I just remembered these moments. And, and um, I was actually gonna play the song for you you, but it's so freaking old that it's not even on Apple or Spotify. So if you want me to know, I can get you a YouTube link for it. But it was the song, and ironically, it was by um, Michael W. Smith uh, performed it with Amy Grant, which they were just in town, and some people got to go see them. They're incredible. Uh, yeah, and, and, I, and he actually will play this song. But this version, this version had some 80s synth in it that was just, mwah, it was amazing. And, I, and, I, and it, was, it came out in 1988, so I was young, and I was listening to this song, and this song would come on, and I would hear, I would hear it. And where I was in the house, I'd, I'd like run in, and I don't care if there was anybody in the room. Most of the time, it was just me. And I would do like, I would hear this song, and the synth would build, and be like, Amen, you will, Amen, you will, da, 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 wonderful cats. And I would do the dances, you know, like the kid dances where you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like you don't know what you're doing. You're just dancing, man. No one cares. You're not twerking. You're not doing any of that. You're just, you're not like doing some sweet moves and TikTok dances. You're just expressing yourself. It just comes out. And I love that. That joy of Christmas. Like we're all chasing that, right? In life, we're chasing it. But the truth is God has called us to live in it daily. And Christmas is such an important reminder of this childlike wonder and joy. You have to have the heart of a child to come to Jesus. Do you have that joy? He continues on in verse 78. Because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. Guiding us into the path of peace. There's such a tenderness, a tenderness to the way the light comes in and moves us. And I can't help but see Zechariah in his nine months sitting in quiet, maybe pulling the scrolls out again as he realized this may be 450 years we haven't heard from God. And he came to me and my son 
My son is going to go do this. I better be ready. And he spent nine months ruminating on the truth of prophecy, dwelling on the promise of God. And when he finally could speak, it came out. And I can't help but seeing in these last verses echoes, echoes across all of the Old Testament of a truth and a promise to come. Isaiah 9, 2 says this, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of deep darkness. A light has dawned. The sun has come and the shadow of death cannot withstand it. Emmanuel, God with us. You know, I wish we did this more often where we have these moments. We have these moments like Zachariah who's speaking over his son and he's saying, this is what we'll be. And if I could speak over you right now, I say the most, the thing in front of you that you're so afraid of, the thing that's broken cannot withstand what God is going to do in this world. It can't overcome it. That God is going to be faithful to you. That he's going to show up and use you no matter how much you've messed up. No matter how much you screwed up, God is going to use you to shine a light. And you will be the light that maybe you didn't feel you had as a child when that man did that thing to you. God is going to make you that light. When you were wallowing in your brokenness and pain and depression and no one was there to shine a light, you're going to be that light for someone else. He's going to redeem you and redeem what was done to you and redeem what you did. He's going to make it hope and future for someone else. It's what allows us to say, like Micah 7, 8, don't gloat over me, my enemy. Though I have fallen, I will rise. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. Emmanuel. The light of the world is with you, Emmanuel. The light of the world is within you, Emmanuel. And the light of the world wants to shine through you, Emmanuel. Here's my action steps for you. They're not going to be on the screen. I just want you to listen. Maybe you're like Zachariah and you think Maybe you missed your moment. I'm going to speak to you in just a moment. But I don't want us to miss our moment as a church. I don't want you to miss it. So live into our code commitments. They're they're there, yes, for the church to, to keep us moving, but they're also really just the basics of following Jesus. And I'll run through them really quickly. Don't miss your moment. And the way you can do that is by you belong, being in a small group surrounded by people and community. By encountering Jesus, by getting into the word, worshiping God, moving it from here to here. By pursuing other people relentlessly, by serving here, this discipline, by doing whatever it takes, wherever it takes us, and giving and saying, like, God, you are my provider. I will act in this way. I will act in faith. By multiplying and pouring your life into someone else, realizing you may not feel like your light is super strong, but for some people it might be the only light they have. Are you pouring into someone else? And finally, by being here, just like Jared asked us to, by being here every week, driven by new life, worshiping God together, reminding ourselves. And if you do these things, you won't miss your moment. You won't. But for the second thing we learned from Zechariah is that even though he did, he was used anyways. 
God used him. And even in his failure, God used that failure to do something inside of his heart that came out into something that for all of eternity we read. Do you imagine him being him and then him speaking this thing and saying, I messed up, I screwed up, I screwed up. Don't worry, Zechariah, your song is going to inspire millions and billions of people to know you, to know Jesus. He couldn't have imagined that. But the truth is, and what this is so important is he talks about the sins. In a little bit, I'm going to give you an opportunity, but you need to know that without Jesus Christ, there is only darkness. Without following him, there is no hope. And so your call is to be saved. And for those of us who don't know him and those who know him, we need to be forgiven. We need to experience this freedom of forgiveness and joy. So we're gonna, I'll be up here afterwards to pray if you'd like to. But the call is for you to be forgiven by God. But Zechariah called us to two other things. Go and show people the light of the world. This season, you have a couple more weeks. Are you going? Are you showing? Are you going to them and saying, look, I'm not here to tell you about why Christ needs to be back in Christmas. I'm here to show you why Christ is joy and love and truth. And it could look like a hundred things. It could look like Christmas caroling. Maybe it looks like handwritten Christmas cards to classmates with a message of salvation and joy and hope. Maybe it looks like showing up somewhere with gifts. I don't know. The Holy Spirit will guide you in that. But finally, invite people to encounter Jesus next week and the week after. Invite them to Christmas Eve. Students, you can do this too. Students, you can do all the things I just said. Students, you can give. Students, you can serve. Students, you can find the people. I wish somebody in high school had written me a card of encouragement. I wish someone would have done that. I wish someone in college in the worst year of my life had written me something and said, hey, just Christmas, I just want you to know that God loves you and it doesn't matter what you've done. He wants to know you and you're not too far gone. I wish that was the case because that would have been light in the darkest season of my life. Students, you have more impact than you know. And so I encourage you to in these moments live into this and share the light of Jesus. Be empowered to do that. I invite you to stand with me. As we go into this next worship song and as we prepare for Christmas Eve when this whole room will be full of everybody who attends and maybe some guests and our kids, I can't help but think of my son as he's dancing. I can't help but think about the song we're about to sing about dancing in joy. So what I want to pray over you is joy. But also, I want to pray over you for those who want to find this joy or come back to Jesus online or in person on the podcast. It's time for you to come back to Jesus. That the light would shine on you and that you would be guided in peace. So close your eyes. And this might be your note This might be your moment where you take note of what God is going to say to you in this prayer. So take note. This might be your encounter with Jesus today. God, I pray that the light would shine on our hearts and that the Prince of Peace 
the light of Jesus Christ would flow over us and into us and that we would experience this moment of joy that would cause us to dance like children. And I pray for those who want this light, who want to have this experience. I pray in this moment that they would choose to encounter you by saying yes to you. That they saw your yes. That your yes was to go to the cross and die. That your yes was to give everything up. Why? So that. So that we could experience new life and joy and peace and an eternity spent with you, not an eternity in the darkness. And so God, when we see your yes, when we see what you did, we say yes to you and we surrender everything to you. We give up our ways and we take up yours because we're so overwhelmed by your sacrifice. I pray for those who want to follow you that they would simply tell you something like this. You're in the room. There's no special miracle way of saying it. It's simply acknowledging the gift and saying, I want to follow you. And the hard part comes when I lay myself down, when I give up my ways and I submit to you. And when I do that, my sins, my brokenness, my pain, the darkness, it's overwhelmed by the light and I can be in your presence. Well, pray that prayer. Speak to him in this moment. And Holy Spirit, I just speak over the entire group that's here. I just bless them with the light of Jesus Christ. May it shine on them. And may they lift their faces to you, God, and be forever changed by your glory so that they can bear this light into a world that is broken and dark. Welcome back. Uh, I hope you appreciated and were encouraged by that message, uh, by a reminder that God is with us even when we doubt, even in our mistakes. Uh, and I hope you find those opportunities to feel the presence of God this week, uh, whether you're in a season of feeling Him far or you're in a season of feeling Him close. Uh, that is our hope for you with this series, that you would feel the presence of God and even know that He is with you. So hope you enjoyed that message. So remind you one more time uh, to go ahead and fill out a Connect card if you're brand new around here or if you have any questions. Uh, we hope that you have a blessed week uh, and we'll see you again real soon.